1: Welcome to The Daily Briefing. It's Monday, January 25th. I'm going to be joined shortly by our managing editor, Ed Harrison. But first, with the day's stories, Haley Drasnan.
2: Equities were mixed on Monday, with the Nasdaq outperforming amidst some concerns that additional stimulus would be delayed. We've seen this pattern before that as worries grow about the length of the pandemic, the Nasdaq and those stay-at-home tech stocks tend to outperform. GameStop, though, the video game retailer, is really making me scratch my head today. The stock surged nearly 145% to a record intraday high of around $159 per share. This was before circuit breakers halted trading several times due to volatility. When trading resumed, share prices fell to around $80. The story begins with the fundamentals surrounding GameStop, one of the last vestiges of this bygone era of brick and mortar. Retailers. Sophisticated investors have taken short positions on GameStop as the brick and mortar approach to selling video games is rapidly getting displaced by digital e commerce, especially during a pandemic when these non essential retail stores like GameStop are forced to close. As such, GameStop is on the verge of bankruptcy. But enter Reddit's Wall Street Bets Forum, subscribed by millions of these so called Robin Herders, You know, these. Tech savvy millennials who, in this case, find strength in numbers. Call it collusion, or simply a white knight rush to save a dying video game retailer, but it seems like the popular threads on Wall Street bets lately have been to encourage getting long GameStop through these various means both in cash and derivatives markets. The members of this subreddit seem to have created a short squeeze rally, forcing many of these sophisticated investors to exit their short positions. The cascading effects of all of this are what caused today's mind-boggling intraday rally. After what we have seen with the stock today, I won't be surprised if the SEC contacts Reddit to shut down Wall Street bets. Moving on, there's also a lot of chatter today on the heels of a Goldman Sachs piece claiming that parts of the equity market are in bubbles with hyper-growth and incredibly high-valued companies. Given we're in an environment with low interest rates and negative real yields in much of the developed world, they noted it won't bring down the broader equity indices When and really if the bubble pops. They pointed to the boom and popularity around SPACs, some of which have seen significant gains without having made any acquisitions whatsoever. Lastly, in the crypto markets, Bitcoin continues to trade in the low 30,000s while altcoins and specifically Ethereum really gain market share. Ethereum made all-time highs above 1475 last night. So we'll see how all that plays out.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
1: Thanks, Haley. Welcome, Ed.
3: Yeah, good to be here, Jack. Uh, good to see you again.
1: Yeah, uh, great to have you on. Today was a very strange day for market action. We had uh, some extreme price appreciation. In uh, companies like BlackBerry, Bed Bath and Beyond, and most importantly of all, GameStop. Now, this has been going on for you know over a week now. Um, but, uh, Ed, what's your take on these very uh, strange uh, market events?
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was talking to you earlier before we got on about Jim Bianco. He and I we did a Real Vision Live, and I'm thinking about this segment is sort of an extension of that. So, it'll be interesting. Ah, uh, to hear your take on his view about short selling. Uh, his view was basically that a lot of this is short covering, uh, that you know it's a short squeeze, and he talked about GameStop in particular. I think he had a tweet out. Let me see if I can find his uh, his latest tweets here. Um, he had a tweet out today saying that uh, GameStop was like a hundred and. Uh, what what is it? Uh, uh, you know, more than a hundred percent of the stock had been shorted, and uh, what you know, which is is uh, normally not possible. You know, uh, you're shorting more than a hundred percent, and that was the the reason for the stock going up so much. Is is that it just goes up because these shorts are having to cover, and obviously, with a short, you have unlimited losses. And you have limited gains. So it's very important that you, you cover as a result of that. Um, what else was he talking about with regard to, uh, he was saying that if you look at, I think Goldman Sachs, that if you look at these, uh, these stocks that are the most speculative, basically, those chart uh, this chart shows that these stocks have been going up like crazy. And they're also the ones that have been shorted the most. So there's something going on in the markets in terms of these speculative stocks being shorted and then uh, and then going up and people being stopped out of these shorts and uh, having to cover. And he thinks that this is a big reason that you see these this kind of market action.
1: Right, uh, that, that is a fascinating chart, and it shows that uh, we're not ha- just having a, a speculative time in the markets over the past year with the stocks going up, but the stocks that have gone up the most. Are the ones that have been shorted the most. So we can we're going to get into uh, these these uh, groups of traders that are targeting the shorts and uh, really going on a, a hunting spree of, of short sellers. But Ed, how about uh, just for the folks at home who you know they, they may know uh, that selling a stock short is the opposite of going long. That if you sell a stock short, you want it to go down. You make money if it goes down. But could you just get into the plumbing of what that actually means uh, and well as well as. Covered, what does short interest mean, that ratio you talked about?
3: Yeah, so basically, what it means is, is that normally you buy a stock and then, after it does whatever it does, goes up or down, you sell it. Uh, one way to deal with that is to reverse the order in which you buy and sell. Uh, that's what's called short selling. What it means is, is, is that you actually, uh, uh, most people, they buy with the intention that the stock will go up and they'll sell at a higher price. But if you don't like a stock, you could say, you know what, I'm going to reverse the order, and I'm going to sell the stock now at the price that it is today, because I believe that the stock will be lower in the future, and then I can buy it after the fact. So I'm going to reverse that order so I can profit from the stocks going down. And so short selling, uh, in order to facilitate that transaction, you need to actually have someone who owns the stock borrow their stock and then uh, you sell the stock that you've borrowed. The problem, of course, is to borrow the stock. You need to pay money uh, to to do that. Uh, you know, sometimes you can pay as as high as like twenty percent to borrow a stock. And of course, if the stock goes from twenty dollars a share to a hundred, then uh, you've actually lost more than your original investment, which was the twenty dollars. Uh, you're looking for the stock to go from twenty to ten. So you can make uh, the difference there, but your your downside is very unlimited because the stock can go to the moon.
1: Mm. Um, So when you say that the short interest for GameStop is over one hundred percent, what does that mean?
3: Yeah, that means that you know more than the number of shares outstanding of the stock are being shorted. That means that the interest in shorting the stock is greater. Than the actual long only interest in the stock and, and how that actually works functionally in, uh, in terms of the plumbing of the market, I'm not sure, but uh, it, it tells you that there's a lot of interest in that stocks going down
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to add another layer onto that um, when you short when investor shorts a stock, um, they have to post collateral in cash because to, to sell the shorts. so when the stock goes up. They have to post margin. That's what's called a margin call. Um, so w- that's what ha- typically happens is with a short squeeze is that the stock goes up and that the shorts have to cover. So they contribute to their own demise, effectively. Um, but there's another layer. So this is a short squeeze, but there's also a dynamic. A, a phrase that's going around, which is called a gamma squeeze, and that's because mm. um, uh, you know this 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 stock, Game uh, uh, GameStop, it's been. A heavily shorted stock. It was until recently trading at $4. It had a tremendous run. Again, today it reached into the 150s and I think with the 155 uh, was the top tick. Um, and so, because it was a heavily shorted uh, stock, a lot of traders realized that they could get the most bang for their buck um, if they actually bought options instead of actually buying the stock. So, typically, when a hedge fund wants to go to war against another hedge fund that's short, they buy the stock to initiate. A margin call. That's perhaps what uh, um, uh, Carl Icahn did to Bill Ackman with the Herbalife short. Um, but, but in this time, the Wall Street bet said, OK, I'm not Bill Ackman. I don't have billions of dollars at my disposal. But what I can do is buy ridiculously out-of-the-money call options on the stock, which will force the seller of that option, the market makers, companies like Citadel or Jane Street or something like that, uh, to buy the stock in order to hedge their exposure to mm-hmm. that stock which in a turn will cause the stock to skyrocket. So that, in a nutshell, uh, is is what a gamma squeeze is.
3: Yeah, I think it's really interesting because we we talked about this gamma event back in uh, August, September. So we're back there, and the whole thing about Wall Street bets is that you know Wall Street bets is is these retail guys who are basically saying, you know what, we're we're going to weaponize day trading. Uh, I, I saw a, a tweet talking about weaponizing day trading as a form of generational warfare. You know, so the the people who were uh, taking the uh, who are the younger generation, they're saying, "Look, you guys, we know that uh, we can force this stock higher by just piling into these out of the money calls and, and forcing the squeeze up." And so they've been doing that, uh, you know, against the old guard, Wall Street. In order to uh, to make their money, so GameStop going from you know four or five bucks to 155 is a perfect example of that. I mean, a ridiculous trend. Uh, Going back to what uh, Jim Bianco was saying earlier today, he said that that the Goldman most shorted index is up 10.27%. That is uh, as of five hours ago. So he said if this holds. It will be the biggest day since April the sixth, and the third biggest day since March the twenty third. Low. The squeeze continues to gather momentum, in his view.
1: Hmm. Uh, Ed, I want to hear more about what Jim Bianco said. What did he say the, that surprised you the most? Yeah. So
3: the thing that uh, Bianco was talking about that I found more more interesting even than this was this whole concept of. Uh, he he was talking about inflation and reflation, but he was talking about it in the context of uh, the COVID-19 crisis, meaning that uh, it's not clear uh, how long the the crisis is going to last and whether inflation will uh, rear its ugly head as a result of the policy response. There, the part that you know that we concentrated on was the part about the reflation and the inflation, but the part that I found the most interesting was. The, the length of the COVID crisis, in particular, because of the vaccine rollout, and also because of mutations in the virus. Because to me, what it really says is that there's a potential that on the other side of the of the virus, it's going to be very different than we think it, it's going to be. And the, and the length of the tunnel is actually going to be uh, shorter or longer, actually, probably longer than we think it's going to be.
1: Mm. Uh, when would you say the mainstream narrative is for when we're going to go back to normal? And then when would you say uh, Jim Bianco suggested it would be?
3: Yeah. So the the mainstream narrative right now is that uh, we're 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 in a reflation phase right now, and uh, that reflation will carry us through uh, the this COVID crisis, and starting in the middle of of this year let's call it uh, late summer, uh, will be out of the woods, and things will start to go back to normal. And when things go back to normal, basically, it will be pent up demand, first and foremost, a big spurt, and then uh, it will be off to the races after that with good GDP growth. And that's why stocks are being bid up, because all the stimulus that's happening now is a precursor to all of those good things happening. Now Jim Bianca was saying, actually, you know what? If you look at how the vaccine's rolling out, and if you also, and and we didn't even have a chance to talk about the mutations, act, that 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 timetable just doesn't seem it doesn't wash for me. And he's talking about you know 2022 uh, as when this will actually happen. And then the question is, what's going to happen? Uh, is it going to be this uh, this pent up demand followed by You know, off to the races, or is the economy going to be less uh, uh, positive when we get out of the crisis?
1: Right. That makes me think of another interview that aired today on Real Vision with uh, Justin Stebbins and uh, James Rasta. And Justin Stebbins is a very well-respected doctor, and he said that he he's uh, reviewed all the literature. He expects actually, that we will probably return to normal by April, just because of the pure volume of vaccines that are out there. You know, As you know, and a lot of people know, that the rollout in the United States, and particularly in states like New York, has not been so good. Um, but he says that there just are such a volume of vaccines from companies like Johnson & Johnson, um, in addition to Pfizer and Moderna, uh, that will cause us to go back to normal uh, in April. However, he says that the chances that we will eradicate COVID nineteen in the near future, like five to ten years, is effectively zero, and that everyone will require booster shots. So it will uh, just it be sort of a vaccine that you have to get every year. So this is this is here to stay. That's what the message I got from that interview.
3: And you know, for me, I think that uh, I can buy into what he's saying as something to think about. From an economic perspective, from a, a markets perspective, let's just say uh, you know, taking away the whole part about whether or not uh, it's going to be in April or July or in 2022, you could be fairly optimistic about when when it's going to be. But at the same time, if you say that actually these variants that we're seeing in places like South Africa and in uh, Brazil mean that you're going to need these booster shots because the vaccine, it won't be as effective uh, against all mutations, then on the, on the other side of the, uh, the, the, the crisis, that's where the problem lies for me. Because what it says is, is, is that this world that we live in now, where people are running around wearing masks, they're avoiding public spaces, they're not doing a lot of the things that they used to do in, 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 in masses. Is going to exist in some form uh, for a very long time. So you know, whereas you might have gone to uh, the uh, the Super Bowl last year, you even if next year you can go to the Super Bowl, you're much less likely. You're much less likely to go to the cinema uh, as a result of that you're much less likely to go uh, eating uh, to restaurants. Why would you do that when you could do something else? So at the margin, and what is the margin, 5%, 10%, you're going to do that less. So think about that in the context of, of, uh, of a uh, income statement for a company. If that company has, let's say, uh, you know, a, a margin of 7%, their profit margin 7%, if you take away 10% of their revenue You'd better be able to take away three percent of the costs or that money uh, that 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 business is losing money. Uh-huh. So I think this is the the future uh, for a lot of companies, and I don't really think it's priced in, and so this is the thing that we really have to be thinking about.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lipsyn Ads. Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
1: Well, it's interesting you say about the business, how they're going to lose 10% of revenue and uh, know they're going to lose costs to balance that out. Actually, we've seen so far in earnings numbers that look pretty good, uh, I'd say about Eighty-eight percent of companies—I uh, forget the exact numbers—so um, far of, of about 25 companies have reported earnings, and 88 percent of them have met or beat the average um, estimate. So, I feel like what you're saying—it's coming, but we're not seeing it yet. Would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, I, we haven't seen it yet because expectations have been down because of the tunnel. The, the the I mean, if you think back to the narrative yeah. that I was spinning in the beginning, and what I was saying is, is look, you know, bad things are happening now, and uh, they were particularly bad in April, May, June of last year, and now we have easy beats in particular. But at the end of the day, you know, this is only a temporary period of time. Uh, first of all, things are not as bad as they as we thought they were going to be, and secondly, once this is over. Everyone's going to be buying stuff like crazy, and we're going to be making so much money. uh, You you got to buy our stock. That that that's the narrative that's that's being played right now. And to me, uh, the Stebbing interview suggests that that narrative is not the right one.
1: Yes, definitely. I think uh, just to to mirror what you said about people haven't been buying goods. um, So, but when. When they do they 're going to buy so many goods, so you have to buy it. I think it's literally just been the fact that people haven't been buying goods, so they 've been plowing the the money uh, into the stock market. I think that's why we've seen this speculative fervor across wall Street you know i uh, i'd say my style of, of investing that I respect the most and that I've studied the most would be value investing of you know Graham and Dodd Warren Buffett but I think the the book for uh, these days is Reminiscence of a stock operator <laughs> about jesse livermore i think it's it's an era of Follow the flows, follow the technicals, and you'll be rewarded. For now, um, and Ed, I I, 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 we're talking about macro and inflation. I, I definitely want to get back to that as well as the variance. But I actually have a few more uh, things I want to say just about the short squeezes. So you mentioned uh, cinemas theaters. Well, AMC has been up a tremendous amount, um, j- just like BlackBerry, just like Bed Bath and Beyond, just like GameStop. Its short interest is at sixty eight percent. So I think the, these traders, uh, the Wall Street bet, bet traders look at the short interest, you know, it's publicly available information, and they they see a target and they attack. Um, they are a group of warriors who are saying they have their telescope, they look at the island, they're like, okay, we're going to invade here, we're going to invade there. And the short uh, sellers are uh, uh, the victims. Um, and I'm looking at another company like.
3: Physically- Before you even go to that next yeah. company, let me just tell you that I think that's a great. I'm I'm glad you mentioned AMC because uh, Jim Bianco mentioned AMC. He said actually AMC was on the ropes to a certain degree because of the uh, you know um, the, this trade, the stay at home trade, and what happened is is the shortish sellers uh, had to cover so much that AMC raised a ton of capital on the back of that, and now they're flush with cash. And perhaps this is a, a sign of how uh, capital allocations being distorted by this whole nexus of activity. Because now here's this company that perhaps would go bankrupt or should go bankrupt, and they just raise a whole bunch of capital basically because people were shorting their stock.
1: Yeah, it, it is so incredible. I have so many things to say about that. With regards to capital distortion, um, I'll give you a little statistic that uh, I, I looked up, I guess, by myself, but I want to give a big credit to Chris Cidial, a volatility trader who today was an extremely active day in, vol- in volatility tradings in these these uh, huge option markets. And he get, took 20 minutes out of his day to ha- help me understand it. So uh, thank you, Chris. I, I did um, a little bit of looking. And the call options on GameStop that were at the strike price of one hundred and
0: fifteen.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, they started today because on on Friday they didn't even have a strike price that high they, because you know as of a few weeks ago the stock was trading at ten dollars um, yeah. so that this call option of 115 uh, strike price that expires on this Friday it's a weekly option over a hundred thousand contracts of that were bought today that's more call options that was bought uh, that was bought for in the money options on Apple um, and that's you know, um, you know, Apple has one forty one, one forty two, so it, it has fewer, uh, it has is more levels of distribution. But Apple is a, a tremendously is the biggest company in the world, um, and GameStop, up until recently, was a company that was the market cap was in the millions, not a billion. So that just goes to uh, show how much capital distortion we're looking at.
3: Yeah, uh, and for those who are wanting to follow GME, that's the ticker for GameStop. Uh, I have it quoted here at seventy six seventy nine on my screen, Uh, so that's uh, that's very interesting. Uh, If you look at the six month chart, yeah, uh, you know, here's a company that uh, was uh, it's just like it's parabolic the way that it's gone up. I mean, it was at four dollars and sixteen cents, and then around I would say. you know the beginning of the new year, the twelfth of uh, of January. It just goes straight up uh, at that point. And remember, by the way, Jack, these are you know short dated options. I mean, these are not long. Da- this is this is pure um, retail investment. Short dated options on mass in massive amounts of money. So going back to the whole Wall Street bets crowd. These guys—they figured out a way to push the market around, to game the system, uh, and to profit as a result of that. It, it, it doesn't make a difference whether or not this company is uh, is worth uh, seventy-six dollars a share or not. At the end of the day, it really it's all about uh, being able to uh, use the weight of of the move and to profit based upon that on a very short-term time frame.
1: Absolutely, and I think if you look at the wall street bets forum uh people take solace and they they relish in the chaos that they are inflicting on themselves as well as the chaos that they're inflicting for other market participants i kind of think it's the opposite of the real vision hive mind it's the it's the sort of dark uh corner where people are are bragging about buying it at the top tick despite the fact they've lost money you mentioned it's 76 now that's um you know, it, that's less than half of what it was trading at its peak. I think it was 155. I could be off by a little bit. But someone, I, you showed me a tweet of someone was bragging about having bought at the top tick. And everyone was like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, they're like, number one, they said, you're a legend because you bought it at the top tick. <laughs> and number two, they're saying, don't worry because it's going to go to 1,000. Um, and by the way, I might add so uh, Wall Street Bass has had a tremendous success against the suits, as Dave Portner would call them, the, the short squeezers. But I think they, they might be running out of tightrope, at least with regards to GameStop, because uh, Melvin Capital, which is a hedge fund that is already down thirty percent, we were discussing this before this year, because it has shorted uh, companies like GameStop. Uh, it received an additional bank uh, backing from Citadel and point seventy-two. Point uh, seventy-two is Stevie Cohen, the character that was, you know, it inspired the Billions uh, TV show, and Melvin, the Melvin Capital guy, used to work with Stevie Cohen, so. The uh, the the armaments have been replenished. They the shorts have a lot of arrows in their quiver, and it'll be interesting to see who wins. You know, I kind of think the um, one analogy is kind of like if the United States and China were disputing over the Isle of Man. Like it's such a small, sort of relatively insignificant country. That's GameStop. It's in terms of the capital markets, it's it's tiny. It's a speck of dust. Um, But you have these two giant amounts of capital, U.S. and China, who are nuking each other uh, just to try and. You know, when the underlying collateral is so small.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, this can't be a good thing uh, in terms of when you think about uh, where markets are headed. I mean, for me, it's very much reminiscent of uh, 1999. You know, there's a mania, there's a frenzy, there's all sorts of uh, stuff that you can't really uh, put your finger on why it's happening. There's only so long this can go on before it all blows up. Uh, I think we're at the very tail end of something unpleasant. And to me, uh, you know, when when we're on the other side—that is, we're on the good side of the crisis, the COVID crisis—that's when uh, all of this frenzy will come to an end, and and then we'll we'll start to live in a more sane and, and real world. So buckle up until then. And even buckle up then, because uh, there, there're going to be some movements,
1: yeah, what you just said is very similar to what Jeremy Grantham said uh, in a recent interview on Bloomberg, and he wrote a piece that was very bearish, calling for that we are in a, a bubble, and he's saying you know it's going to crash within uh months, it's going to be months, not years, and he said that just how it feels in terms of whether it's you know GameStop going up uh, this tremendous route, or is all of these SPACs that are going out? You know, I, I saw it on Twitter um, there's something called Queen, the Queen's Gambit SPAC, which is a SPAC that's investing in companies that are uh, run by women, and I think that's a great initiative. I think you know companies need to be, be uh, more run by women. Uh, I, I only question whether it is the the person who promoted and created that SPAC is that their only uh, motivation, or are they choosing this time of Unique market euphoria to uh, cash in on that, and you're, you're so. Um, I'm curious, uh, Ed. Anyway, so one last thing is that um, Jeremy Grantham said that the euphoria can only increase. You never, you can never decrease euphoria without crashing. It, can, it only can go up. So my question is, you said you compared it to 1999. How does it feel now? Does it feel like we're really close to the end? Um, and if so, you know, what are you seeing? Yeah,
3: I mean it feels like uh you know 98 uh was when you saw the uh, Russian uh default and you saw uh long-term capital. So 98 uh you got the bailout and then you had 99 and then uh, everything came crashing down in 2000. So nothing uh, this is definitely post 1998. So it's definitely 1999. We're partying like it's 99. And potentially, we've already reached the new millennium, and, and it's uh, the year 2000. So we're at the very tail end. That's how it feels to me. And when you talk about spacs, I mean, if I were to uh, to get a spac, I would call you know I would call Jack and Ed's bottom tick spac, and, the, and and it would be a spac that we we're raising money because when the bubble pops, we're going to bottom tick uh, invest and uh, there are lots of winners out there that need uh, people that need capital from the likes of you and me and we're ready to to get into those those companies
1: Absolutely um and the only question is what's going to be our promote fee are we going to go with the 20% I think <laughs> if we if we have a SPAC you got to you got to do it all you know I'm not going to do SPAC just to get 1% you got to get 20% <laughs> Right I'll leave that up to you Jack yeah. Um moving on to something more serious Ed, I know you've been very concerned about uh, these COVID variants, which we first learned were more transmissible than the vanilla COVID nineteen. Now we learned they could be more deadly. What are you seeing there? What are your concerns? Uh, what do you? What's your view on that?
3: Yeah, so you know, going back to that question of the uh, Justin Stebbing and uh, whether or not we'll need need multiple uh, shots. I mean, basically, my thinking at this point is that uh, we there are two, two things. One is, I think, Stebbing he's obviously a scientist, so he knows what he's talking about more than I do. But what he's pointing to is something that people need to realize is, is that uh, if you have spike protein mutations, then likely you're going to need to retrofit some of these vaccines. And that means that- uh, it's not a one and done kind of thing. There, you know, there are more things that are happening. The second, I think, that's that's much less appreciated is that uh, when this whole crisis, we're a social animal. We're social beings. People, they're pretty much fed up with the lockdowns and all the rest of that. And the result is that people are engaged in riskier behavior, which means that the virus has a chance to uh, to multiply and to, to mutate, and the, re- the reason that it's mutating is, is because it has the opportunity to mutate. And so um, I think that we're at the point now where it's clear that there are large swaths of the global community that are not going to take lockdown anymore, and the likelihood of mutation uh, is, is high. And so the likelihood that the Stebbing View is even higher in that circumstance. And so I, I very much buy into the concept that uh, it's not a one and done. And then we just have to see uh, what that means in terms of, you know, once the first vaccine is over, uh, what happens in terms of the normal after that. I don't think it's gonna be the new normal. I think it's just gonna be a staggered sort of, you know, uh, iffiness going forward. And that's going to suck the air out of the room. In terms of this whole euphoria that is built on looking through the, uh, you know, the poor earnings that uh, the poor economy that we're having right now, so it's only a matter of time before people catch on to that, and uh, and we'll just have to see where that is. But I agree with uh, Grantham that it's going to be months, and to me, this uh, this mutation is a big part of of, of why.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh. Ed, I, I want to compare that with a view of uh, one Mr. Tyler Neville, who uh, also works at RealVision. He, uh, uh, in, a, in a group text we were in, said, because we were chatting about markets over the weekend, he said, the worse that the virus gets, the higher the market goes. How do you evaluate that view?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think of that as sort of a, a non 1999 outlook. That is, is, is that it's It's sort of uh, something that's predicated on the here and now, which is is that the the Fed's got your back. and no matter what happens, they're just gonna pour more money after it. There's gonna be more stimulus, more bailouts. But at at the end of the day, government can't levitate everything uh, forever. Eventually, the reality reasserts itself. So'm I'm, I'm on the opposite side of that. I think he's the guy, Tyler, who's like, it's so bad, it's good. And that's predicated on the view that the Fed will do anything, the government will do anything, and ultimately, they're just going to drive asset prices up as a result of that. I think that the, the they don't have as much power as that, and eventually, the bottom will have to fall out of, of that whole point of view. My hope, actually, is that uh, they desist more quickly, because the worse it gets, uh, the bigger the fall as a result, and the more people get hurt.
1: Hmm. Uh, how would you say? Let's say the Fed keeps on plugging in 80 billion of, of Treasuries, uh, of, of purchasing them out of the market, and then purchasing 40 billion dollars worth of mortgage-backed securities every month. Um, that's pretty much been the status quo. But they've always typically they overshoot, not rather than undershoot on that. Uh, let's say that continues over the next year. It sounds like you don't believe that that will be enough to paper over the cracks. You think that the, the damage will be so big that That, not that it won't matter, but it won't be sufficient. Is that what you're saying?
3: Yeah, I think that basically what you're going to need is you're going to need the Fed to make decisions about high yield and about equities at some point in time. That they're going to have to decide, you know, do we wait into these markets? How much do we wait in? And how much uh, and how late do we leave it before we wait in? Just like in March, you know, they waited for a 30% down move and it, it was like a crack up. In terms of liquidity, before that all happened, I think they'll be faced with the exact same sort of conundrum at some point in time. That uh, you know, everyone thinks that we have their back. When when do we step in here? Uh, that that's coming at some point in 2021.
1: Mm. All right. Here's my second-to-last question, Ed. You have three options: you can buy GameStop, you can short GameStop, or you do nothing. Did I say three options? Actually there are two options. You can't do nothing. You have to do one or the other. What are you going to do? You're going to buy no, you I, I like the third option. I no, you know not allowed. Uh, I think that uh, I remember when the
3: housing bubble was happening. Even though I I was actually short uh some uh like Wamu and and a bunch of other uh, uh I think it was uh it was uh, Lenar but uh, and and one or two other uh, home builders. A friend of mine who's a uh He's an IT specialist. he was asking me so how do I make money out of this at the whole time when I was talking about the bubble? And I said to him, uh, even though I wasn't doing the same thing myself, but for the average person, sometimes the best thing to do is just to do nothing to sit on your hands. Uh, a lot of times you're in over your head or you're in a market that you just don't know. It's better just to it's just like Warren Buffett says, uh, the market is like a, a where they call balls and strikes. They can call as many uh you know as as many balls and strikes as they want. You can just you know take as many pitches. you have to just wait for the right pitch to hit and uh if if you don't if you don't understand the price action, you don't want to get run over by a freight train and you think that uh, you know piling into a speculative call that could go pear shaped in in a matter of minutes isn't the right thing to do, it's probably just better to sit on the sidelines.
1: I would agree. It is better to uh, sit on the sidelines. Um, Ed, you, you could uh, not answer this if you wish. But if I were to press you and say, you can't sit on the sidelines, you have to buy GameStop or you have to sell it short, what, what would you be your call? Again, you can choose not to answer.
3: Well, I, I think my answer tells you why things are the way that they are. I'd I buy. I, did, yeah. I, you know, I remember very vividly uh, a friend of mine, uh, who, a guy who I worked with. You know, shorting juniper networks and uh and I'm trying to think of the other uh, shorts that he had, you know a lot of these infrastructure builds and the the earnings coming out and the stocks soaring like thirty percent and him having to cover his shorts like crazy, uh I would not want to be doing that at all, uh, and you know with unlimited downside, forget it i, I I'd go long.
1: yeah, uh, I think I'd have to agree with you I think. Hopefully, I could get a a put option in there, a a nice two-year dated put option, because it is going to come back down. Um, But I did did do some looking, and and put options are priced almost as richly as call options. So Ed, that was my second to last question. My last question is that uh, pretty soon, you're doing an interview with Richard Koo. Now, you spoke to him last year. It was, uh, I'd say, one of the favorite uh, interviews on Real Vision of all time. Uh, it's been quite a time since your last interview. What are you going to ask Richard, Mr. Q, this time?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, his whole thing is uh, very much a uh, debt deflation narrative, right? He's he. Uh, I want to know in this world in which the narrative is hundred and eighty degrees turned around from what he's talking about. Uh, what is what does he uh, say? You know, he's talking about the fact that uh, there's deleveraging. Uh, and uh, and it's 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 not working. I want to know in his world, uh, what has he seen? What's different about today than 2008? Uh, now that he's had a full, what is it, nine months? I think since I talked to him to to see uh, what's happened since he talked to me last.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to watch the interview. Well, uh, yeah. I we I know we ran a little long, but uh, thank you so much, Ed, for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Jack. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thanks, guys.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads.